Do you have questions about living with diabetes in South Africa? You're in very good company. Turns out we all do. Welcome to South Africans with Diabetes. I'm Bridget McNulty and today we're going to be answering your questions to help you live a healthy, happy life with diabetes. This podcast is brought to you by Lily. First, a disclaimer. I am not a medical expert. Please discuss any changes you want to make to your diabetes treatment with your doctor. Guys, it's been a year, hasn't it? When we released the first season of our podcast a year ago, I think we all assumed that we would be moving out of the pandemic in the not-too-distant future. Well, that didn't happen, did it? And it turns out that living with a chronic condition, like diabetes, during a pandemic is ever so slightly stressful. A lot of us have gone through periods of diabetes burnout, or are still going through periods of burnout, and we're not talking about diabetes and mental health enough. When we asked our community on Facebook, South Africans with Diabetes, about diabetes burnout, the answers came flooding in. Lynn's response really resonated with me. This is a day-to-day -day struggle for me, she said. The daily numbers and checking and checking and calculating and tracking carbs and proteins, taking meds, doctors, the endo, the ophthalmologist, the nephrologist, the gynecologist, the dietitians, the fatigue of it all. Grace said something similar. Going through it now, I'm so tired of everything. I'm tired of taking my medication. I'm tired of pricking myself daily. I'm tired about worrying which foods I should probably not touch. I'm fatigued of everything that has to do with this chronic illness. Diabetes burnout isn't just for those of us with diabetes either. It's also for those who love us. Deloise said that for type 1 parents, it's the worst to pull yourself back up, that emotional and financial burden. And Joan's comment really made my heart sore. They should really make a plan with the sickness. I am just so tired. Help, please. So to help us have this conversation in an intelligent way, I've asked clinical psychologist Daniel Scheer to join us today. Daniel has been living with type 1 diabetes since he was a baby, so he has a deep understanding of what it's like to juggle the many demands diabetes places on us. Daniel, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Bridget. Lovely to be here. So... Could you explain a little bit why diabetes and mental health are so closely linked? Yeah, absolutely. The first point that I would like to make about that, I think, has already been made in some of the comments by our listeners. So thank you for everybody who contributed. But mm. basically, the answer to that question, why are they so closely interlinked and why do we need to think about how they're interlinked? It's because diabetes is a tough condition to live with. Yeah. They're just so many different things that we need to think about on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. And with that level of, of stress and that level of preoccupation and that level of planning and problem solving and troubleshooting and thinking ahead, I mean, there's just so much on our plates. And we and never get really, a day off. Yes, that's absolutely correct, isn't it? And it's mm. also, that's a really common comment from a lot of the people that I work with. We, we just don't get a day off and it can mm. become so exhausting. Mm. So, you know, with, with those, those burdens associated with having this condition, it can be burdensome and that can spill over into a sense of stress or distress or exhaustion or even depression or anxiety. But importantly, and I always like to bring the science into this conversation, it's not just that diabetes is a tough condition to manage because of how much we need to do and think about. There's an extra layer there 
as diabetics or people with diabetes, whichever you prefer, we inevitably are going to have blood fl sugar fluctuations. That's, uh, that's how it goes. It's inevitable. When that happens, the quantity of glucose that is filtering into our brain is fluctuating. Sometimes it's going to be low, sometimes it's going to be high. And when that happens, we know now through some pretty sophisticated brain scan research, we know that that can have an actual impact on the neurons and certain areas of the brain that are linked to, for example, thinking skills and or emotions. Hmm. So I always like to remind people, you know, it's, it's not all in your head, but it also is very much in your head, yeah. both figuratively and literally. Diabetes is tough. But it also is that much tougher on us emotionally because of the way that it's going to affect our brains. That is fascinating. I didn't realize there was an actual physiological component to... Because I know mood swings are like a common symptom of living with diabetes. But I didn't put two and two together about the fact that obviously that's related to something that's going on physically in the brain. So you said there's an increased risk of depression and anxiety, and then a special flavor of the two called diabetes burnout. Could you talk about what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So diabetes burnout, quite simply, is a state of overwhelm and exhaustion that most people with diabetes will encounter at a certain point in their diabetes career. So I'm going to unpack in a bit more detail what diabetes burnout looks like, but mm. just if I can just bring in a stat right at the beginning, and I think this is really important because people with diabetes burnout, they often feel like, you know, this is yet another affliction. This yeah. is something they've done wrong. They haven't yeah. been on top of it. And that's really not the case. Diabetes burnout is not a mental disorder. It's simply a natural emotional response to a very oh. difficult situation. That feels like such a relief to hear because there is such a strong sense of failure attached to burnout. And that's absolutely the last thing that you need if that's the way that you're feeling. A natural emotional response. Oh, that's beautiful. When we look at the stats, how many adults experience diabetes burnout? Just so you know, I'm using the term diabetes burnout here, but the way that this is referred to in the literature is diabetes distress. Yes, so I always use I'm using word. those... I think in you know common parlance we we generally we generally use uh, burnout. It, mm. I think it has a better ring to it, but um, I'm using those two interchangeably. So at any one point, forty percent of adults with diabetes will have diabetes burnout. Wow! Over the course of a year, fifty percent of us are going to encounter it. Wow! So that's just to. It's, I mean, it's it's rife. It's really that's extraordinary, and I feel like that's not really the way it's talked about because in my head it was something that happens like every couple of years you go through a dip and you have like a bad spell with your diabetes but 50 percent that means half of us every single year are going through a dip that's so helpful to know because it also means yeah. that it's cyclical right it, it's not something mm. that you have to like be really afraid of and then freak out about it's something that happens and then hopefully lifts and then will happen again one day and hopefully lift again Correct. Correct. It ebbs and flows and it also goes along with other life stress. So if yeah. we've got a lot going on, you know, with work, for example, mm. we're more vulnerable to developing diabetes distress during that period as well. So how do you identify it? How do you know if you're in a period of diabetes burnout? Okay, so if we look at diabetes burnout and how it actually affects people, 
looking at some really good research that's been done by some really fantastic colleagues over in, in the States. We've identified four different areas that this can set in. So I'll just cover those areas very quickly, and then I'll go through them again and just give some examples of what diabetes burnout in those domains actually looks like. Mm, great. So the four areas, the first is emotional burnout. Mm -hmm. The second is burnout or distress related to your physician. Okay. The third is regimen distress. In other words, distress related to what we need to do on a daily basis to look after our condition. And the fourth is interpersonal distress or interpersonal burnout, which speaks to our dynamics with our spouse or our parents or our friends or any of our loved ones. Mm. So if we unpack that a little bit more, what does the first domain look like? This is emotional burnout. And the, this is quite easy to recognize because it presents with some pretty powerful emotional experiences, mm. many of which we will be familiar with. I think most people with diabetes will be you know, quite closely familiar with a lot of these. So some of the common emotional responses that serve as red flags for diabetes burnout is a frustration, mm -hmm. anger, sadness, guilt, resentment, worry, hopelessness, overwhelm. Yeah. Feeling hurtful. Those are some of the common. Yeah, well said. Hurtful <laughs> to the list. <laughs> I haven't seen that one in, the, in any of the literature, but they should probably add it. Yeah. <laughs> so then along with that, you know, that sense of being hurtful, there's also a cognitive component to it, which often gets linked in under the emotional burnout section. So we're not just feeling hurtful, overwhelmed, resentful, mm -hmm. worried. We're also having thoughts along the lines of there's just no point in doing this. Mm -hmm. This is so hard. Mm -hmm. I'm failing. I'm never going to be able to do this correctly. Those sorts of thought processes, they feed into the sense of emotional burnout and they mm -hmm. can actually set you up in a vicious cycle where that gets increasingly worse. Makes sense. Okay. The second domain, this is physician or doctor related distress. And this is also a very common one. A lot of the people who I work with speak to me about not feeling entirely understood by their doctors or at times feeling a bit judged. For yeah. example, I'm going back to my doctor. I know my A1C has gone up and not down. I'm worried about the judgment that I'm going to get. Yeah. And that fear can very, very often lead to a, a tendency that I think we're all familiar with, at least those of us who've had diabetes for a long time, which is postponing and avoiding appointments. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ideally, we should be going every six months. You might find yourself thinking, okay, I'm going to push that out a couple more months. And then all of a sudden, you might find you've gotten to a year or even more than that without having mm -hmm. seen your doctor. My endo said that every year, routinely, the two weeks after Easter and the two weeks after Christmas, he's booked up and then suddenly everyone cancels because <laughs> no one wants to show the recent numbers. And I was like, well, yeah, um, what do you expect? Obviously. <laughs> right. And we Absolutely. think that if our doctor doesn't see it, then it doesn't happen. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, I can see myself <laughs> thinking that. And I know it's not true, but that's what it feels like sometimes. Like they're giving you the pass fail mark. Yes. Absolutely. And I mean, how can we not feel like that? Because that is what it comes down to, isn't it? We're striving to get our numbers in a, in a good range. And 
often they're not in the range that we want them to be in. Mm. So how can we feel anything other than failure, anything Mm. other than judgment, even if that's not necessarily the message that our doctor is sending us? Okay, the third domain. This is regimen or behavior-related distress. So we often see this when a person just starts to lack the motivation that they need to stay on top of all these behaviors that are required to manage blood glucose, you know, ranging from testing and injecting to doctor's appointments to eating appropriately to exercising frequently to going to your ophthalmologist, etc., etc., we start to feel when we have burnout, we start to feel that we're not taking care of our diabetes and we're worried about this, but we can't quite find the motivation to change our behavior. Yeah. So there's a real sense of I'm struggling and I don't know what to do. Mm. And this can then further fuel these sorts of regimen related distress behaviors, such as avoiding testing you know that it's not going to be a good reading. So you choose not to test and you push Mm -hmm. that out for a bit and you sort of just convince yourself that if you forget in the moment, then it's not really happening. Yeah. I see this often with uh, comfort eating, for example, which again, most people do to some extent and is absolutely fine to do it. But obviously if we're eating something that's, you know, high in carbs or high in sugars, we need to boil us for it. And, Sometimes when people are feeling burnt out, they will find that their comfort eating more than they would like to be doing. They're eating things which they would rather not be eating in the long run, but in that moment they need that rush. And it's interesting how adding a bolus to that can sometimes feel like you're making it real. The fact that you've, I'm using in inverted commas, cheated I don't like the word cheating. I don't think it's appropriate, but you feel like you've done something wrong and then you avoid bolusing as if that's going to make it less real. That's so funny to me because that logic makes perfect sense to me and I can see exactly why someone would think that. And then, but when when you actually say it in words, I'm like, but it doesn't actually make sense. My dad has Mm. high cholesterol and so he shouldn't eat cheese. And he always used to think that if my mom didn't see him eating the cheese, then he hadn't actually eaten the cheese. And it's that same kind of logic, right? That like, well, if I don't inject for it, then maybe I didn't actually eat this thing I know I'm not supposed to inject. And also, if you're eating something that you know you shouldn't, so there's going to be like a much bigger injection than usual, you have to face up to the fact of what you've eaten if you're dialing Mm. your pen up. It makes it very tangible. Yes, it does. And it's so easy, for example, to just eat mindlessly. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. I'm excited to get to the solutions bit because so far this is (laughs) resonating quite strongly and quite depressing. Okay. What is the fourth one? Interpersonal. Interpersonal is the fourth one. And that is a sense of isolation. That's the most frequently occurring phenomenon that I see. Mm -hmm. People feeling isolated, disconnected. They feel like no one understands what they have to deal with. Mm. Certainly as a type one diabetic, I've felt that periodically throughout my life. Even when people try to understand, it can be, I think, very hard for somebody who doesn't know the day-to-day management requirements for them to actually understand what it means to have this condition. I've often thought it would be helpful if you could reach out and touch someone when you're low, like when you're in the Mm -hmm. middle of a hypo or when you're high 
and you could just reach out and touch someone and they would be able to feel the sensations of what you're feeling. I feel like we would get so much more sympathy and people would be so much yeah. nicer to us. But because it's difficult to put into words, and when you put it into words, it doesn't sound that bad. And it's also a cumulative impact. Yeah. So most people, you know, they can entertain that if they have to go for a run today, it might not be what they want to do, but they'll make themselves do it. Mm. But if you have to do that on top of a hundred other things, yeah. you just have less energy for all of those and it can become cumulatively exhausting. So now if our listeners are nodding their heads the way I have been and ticking all the boxes next to the symptoms you've described, then what? How do you move through diabetes burnout when you don't have the energy to do anything? It's such a good question and, and such an important one. <laughs> the answer is long and complicated. <laughs> and, <laughs> Sit back say. and relax. This is going to take some time. <laughs> yeah. So I've got some possible problem-solving solutions here. I've got some possible skills that you can start to implement in your day-to-day -day life, which hopefully will move you towards a place of less overwhelm and less mm. burnout. Mm. I should, just before I say this, though, just make a disclaimer to the listeners that although I'm a psychologist, I'm not your psychologist. Mm. And it's really important that if you are struggling with diabetes, distress, or depression, or anxiety, that you don't just rely on what I'm saying here, and you do actually seek out the necessary support from your doctor, from your therapist. Yeah. So yeah. this is intended as educational and to help you think about the sorts of behaviors which can be helpful with diabetes distress. The first skill that I like to explore with my clients is quite simply problem solving. So we want to do some brainstorming around what does my diabetes burnout look like? Mm. What are the things that are causing or increasing this state of burnout? And are these things that I am able to affect any degree of change on? Hmm. So just to concretize that, let's say that your flavor of diabetes burnout is the interpersonal distress component. Hmm. So what's causing your diabetes burnout is the fact that your spouse is sick and tired of your condition and they're just not quite <laughs> They're not making you feel as supported as you would like. Yeah. And just on a side note, diabetes burnout is something that can affect spouses and parents as well. So this is not an uncommon situation, unfortunately. Diabetes. I'm sniggering because I thought it was only me who didn't get special attention for having diabetes. <laughs> and so the one day I was pissed off about it. So I, wrote, I asked on our Facebook page, I was like, do you get special attention from your family for having diabetes, expecting that like 90% of people would be like, oh, yes, of course, they are so understanding and they do all these things for me. And everyone was like, I wish I did. Nobody cares. I have to do it on my own. Like, and it, it was very funny because I just assumed right. it was just me who was. And then on the other hand, I don't actually want like special treatment for the rest of my life. But every so often I would like just a little bit of special treatment. And it seems we're all in that same boat together. Yes. I mean, look, a lot of us do experience that. And, you know, if we're experiencing diabetes burnout as a result of that, yeah. then that's suggesting that's where our energy needs to go. So we need to have a conversation with our partner, explain to them how we feel and, and find a way of compromising, of working together so that we can support one another. Yeah. And so that this diabetes burnout essentially can be tackled. Yeah. 
In the same way, if your diabetes burnout is about emotional distress, we're going to think about, okay, so these emotions, what are the emotions that are really making our lives unnecessarily difficult? And how can we find some relief for those? Hmm. So if we're overwhelmed by feelings of frustration, we're going to think about, for example, getting some physical exercise, ideally hitting a punching bag and perhaps expressing the frustration and expressing what it's about to the relevant people who might be mm. causing that. Even just expressing that you're frustrated in general with this condition. And then another problem-solving strategy that is often helpful for emotional distress in particular, that's meditation. So meditation can help us to soften the impact of the emotions that we're feeling. If we then think about doctor-related distress, the obvious solution, if we are seeing a doctor who objectively is judging us and not being there in the way that we need them to, we want to try and bring that up with them. Cool. Now, that's easier said than I done. I would just run away and people. find another doctor. <laughs> yes, no way I would have that so conversation. <laughs> <laughs> not, not many people would, um, no. which is unfortunate because they should, they should feel that they can. It's important to remember that if there's not a good fit between you and your doctor, then you need to find somebody who does work for you because ultimately you are building your own treatment team and not everybody has a good fit. And it really makes such a difference when the story you're telling about diabetes is the same story your doctor's telling. So I love my endo because the first question he asks me is, how are you? And he doesn't mean, how are your numbers? And if I start talking about numbers, he'll say, no, no, tell me, how are you? I want to know, how's your quality of life? How have the last couple of months been? What's going on with you? And then we move on to talking about numbers. And that makes such a difference because diabetes is a huge part of our lives, obviously, but it's not the whole thing and it can't be the whole thing. And so to have someone who understands that moves it away from, like, I hate the pass-fail mentality. It, it's so bad on so many levels, and we've discussed this before, but you really need your doctor to be telling the same story too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to have that kind of resonance with your doctor and yeah, to, to know that they're interested. I mean, they, we need to feel that they're interested in us as a person and not just our numbers, because yeah. ultimately it's the whole person that speaks to the numbers, that determines the numbers. Yeah. So another nice problem-solving strategy, which I know you and I, Bridget, have spoken about before, that's smart goal setting. So if our burnout, for example is regimen related. And we're finding that we just can't eat the right things. We're not able to test or scan frequently enough. We're not injecting frequently enough. We're not making the right dietary choices. All of those sorts of common sources of burnout, we want to problem solve by goal setting. So we want to think, this is where I'm at. This is what my behavior is doing to my blood sugar levels and my sense of burnout. And this is where I want to be. When we define our goals, where we want to be, and that can be in terms of exercise, diet, seeing your doctor, testing, whatever it may be, when we actually define them and write up a plan for getting us there, it mm. can help us feel a lot more in control and a lot more capable of mustering up the necessary motivation to move in that direction. And also it takes it from being this big mess of, oh my goodness, everything is not working to, okay, what small thing could I change? Like maybe this week, I'm only going to focus on walking for 30 minutes a day and see if that helps. And then next week, I'll add another small behavior change and see if that helps. Instead of being like, I'm going to conquer 
this whole mountain because if you don't have the energy to do anything that's just too exhausting yes precisely and and i think a lot of people fall into that trap where they are overwhelmed because they can't get on top of everything yeah and then they become even more overwhelmed because they give themselves goals that just don't feel realistic or achievable and then they fail the goals because the goals are too hard let's quickly go through smart is let me see if i can remember specific measurable attainable relevant Mm -hmm. and time-based i wasn't sure if it was attainable or achievable i just want to quickly move on to speaking about burnout from a slightly different angle what if you're the partner of someone who's going through burnout so you said earlier that Mm. partners can also get burnout but this is more specifically like if you're the the parent or the partner or the friend or the child of someone with diabetes, is there anything you can do to support someone you love who's feeling burnt out? Yeah, absolutely. And that starts with emotional communication. In other words, communicating about the feelings that are coming up in each of you. Mm. Just having a conversation around what you as the spouse or the partner or the parent are feeling and asking about what the person with diabetes is feeling, that can open up some really powerful doors to facilitate social support, which is another really good way of overcoming burnout. So to kind of summarize that advice, it's quite simple. Listen, ask, and reflect. Listen for any signs. Yeah, nice, nice and straightforward. Mm. Although at times it can be it can be a bit of a tricky process to start if you haven't done that before. It's also something that can be easily learned. Mm. So you, you want to listen, ask, and reflect. So that's simply a matter of you know, for example, saying, "I can see that you're struggling a bit. What are you feeling? Are you worried? Are you anxious? Are you angry?" Sort of just trying to get a feel for what actually is happening in your partner's life. Mm. Another really nice question, and this might feel maybe a bit, uh, I don't know, a bit formulaic, a bit weird to be asking your child or your spouse, but um, I I love to ask my clients, you know, one of the first questions I'll always ask in the process is, what do you hate most about having diabetes? What's, What's most difficult about it for you right now? I love that question. We ask that on the page a lot and people love it because they just Mm. vomit out all the things that they have been wanting to say. And there are many things. Yeah, there often is a lot. And and that question, that's how, as as healthcare providers, as a psychologist or a doctor, Mm. that's the question you want to ask to find, is there diabetes burnout? And what is that diabetes burnout about? Yeah. So reflecting on that question is really powerful if you're a family member of someone who you think is going through burnout. And the other important point that we need to make about supporting a loved one with diabetes, mm. try not to be the diabetes police. Yes. That I think we've all experienced at some point, and it comes most often from a place of love. But the common line is, should you really be eating that? Oh, the worst of all the questions. <laughs> right. It really is. It really is. It can be so so triggering for a person with diabetes to be asked that or something along those lines. So as a carer, as a loved one, as a spouse, just try to be mindful of the sorts of questions that you're asking and the way in which you're asking these questions. Mm, lovely. Go gently. Yes. I feel like that should just be our, our advice for everyone 
living with diabetes or loving someone with diabetes or or even just in the world hey go gently so we are almost out of time sadly i wanted to ask if you have any final words of wisdom you want to impart about diabetes and mental health go gently can be it i think that's a that's a great one go gently easier said than done at times though and on that note, it's important to note that as people with diabetes, we're at a high risk of developing burnout, but also mm. clinical depression, anxiety disorders. Sometimes when you're feeling completely overwhelmed, the last thing that you're able to do is think about more skills and strategies to add to your life. It can make it even more overwhelming. And if you're finding that you're feeling this way, it's not uncommon and it's okay to feel that. What I would encourage you very strongly to do, though, is if you're feeling that you're burnt out and that you don't know how to move forward from it, that you bring this up ideally with your doctor or else if you have one with your psychologist. And if it's to your doctor, tell them how you're feeling and ask them if they can refer you to somebody who can help. Oh, that is yeah, such good advice. Thank you. One final question, Daniel, what makes your life sweet? Uh, I love that question. So my life is made sweet by my family, which consists of my wonderful wife, Jess, and my two fur children, Chaos (laughs) and Winnie Cat. (laughs) Those are terrific names. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) That's sadly all we have time for today. I feel like I could talk to you about this stuff all day and we will continue doing so into the future. Thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. It's always such a treat to speak to you. And I I always feel like I learn something new when we speak. If you're struggling with diabetes, burnout, or any mental health issues, please know that you're not alone. You can reach out and talk to us on Facebook, South Africans with Diabetes, on Instagram, sweetlife.org.za, or head to our website, sweetlife.org.za, for more diabetes information and advice. And remember, as Daniel said, it's so important to ask for help. You can ask your doctor or your psychologist. Diabetes, burnout and depression and anxiety are so common and it's it's really important to get the support you need. We have so many great episodes coming up. Unpacking diabetes stigma, figuring out insulin timing, looking at the language of diabetes and the future cost of diabetes if South Africa doesn't wake up and do something about it. So much to talk about and I'm really pleased that you've joined us. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today and invite you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. It's such a pleasure to be able to spend this time with you and I really appreciate it. I'm sure your diabetes management appreciates it too. Big thanks to Lily for sponsoring this season of South Africans with Diabetes. Lily is the leading provider of insulin in South Africa, supporting people with diabetes through high quality, affordable products. Lily unites caring with discovery to create medicines that make life better for people around the world. This podcast comes to you from Sweet Life Diabetes Community. We are South Africa's largest online diabetes community, a space to connect with other people living with diabetes, share tips, and offer advice. Our website, sweetlife.org.za, has all the diabetes info you need, all in one place. We're like the diabetes Wikipedia of South Africa. We offer expert advice that's easy to understand and written just for you. Whether you're looking for the latest news and updates on diabetes in South Africa, tips to manage your condition better, meal plans and diabetes-friendly recipes, exercise suggestions, or how to lose weight, we have an expert answer for you. We also have free e-books to download, a diabetes cookbook, diabetes guidebook, and a healthy food guide. Most importantly, we have a community of people with diabetes who understand what it's like to live with the condition. 
every day. We're all in this together.